0: We are in 1st Samuel chapter 17. I need to preface this by jumping back a little bit. So remember we talked about Israel wanted a human king and God said, I don't want you to have a king. I'm your king, right? But remember when they went into the promised land, they did not do what God asked them to do in destroying and running out all of the inhabitants of the promised land. And so the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Philistines and all the ites began to influence Israel with their idolatry, with their harlotry. And guess what? All the ites had kings, right? And so the Israelites said, hey, we want a king too, like all these guys that have influenced us that shouldn't be here, but we disobeyed, and here they are. What is that? Compromise. They compromised. And so they asked God, and God said, okay. And he picked a king, and his name was Saul, and he was taller than everybody, and he was beautiful. But Saul got in trouble. He disobeyed. And so in verse 35, I'm jumping back. I'm just going to read this little verse in 15. First Samuel fifteen thirty-five. This is what happened after Saul disobeyed. And Samuel, who was the prophet... Did not see Saul again until the day of his death. For Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Boom. You know the Lord can be hurt in his heart. Do you know that? We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Brett preached on this a couple months ago. We can hurt him. But you know God regretted choosing Saul. That tells me that the emotions that we feel come from our Heavenly Father. He has feelings. He doesn't let his feelings run or overrule his truth. Neither can we. I have regrets. I don't want to live with regrets. I won't let my feelings of regret or hurt or offense, oh, that's a nasty one, override God's truth in my life. But Saul blew it. Why? Well, he became prideful, and he lost God's favor. Okay? So God chose a new king. Now we're going to, we're going to, I'm still prefacing here. In 1 Samuel 16, um, 12, it says, So he, that's Samuel, Which is the, he's the mouthpiece of God. He's the prophet. Samuel is the prophet of God. What Samuel says is what God is saying. And the reason that's so is because God said that not one word Samuel ever spoke failed or fell to the ground. Okay? So Samuel is God's prophet and his mouthpiece. And he sins and he brings David to himself. Now he was ruddy and he was with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. The Lord said, This is he. Who chose that king? The Lord. Amen. If we go on to read 13 and 14, Samuel took the horn of the oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the spirit of the Lord departed Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Three important things you have to know before we start reading about Goliath. Are you ready? David was anointed king, chosen by God in the midst of his brothers. The ones God didn't choose. Okay? Two... The Spirit of the Lord came on David in that moment forever and never left him. Hallelujah. David was filled with the Spirit before any of us. Before the the Holy Spirit became available in the new covenant, David was filled with the Spirit. Did you know that he makes appearances in the Old Testament? Hallelujah, he does. And thirdly, the Spirit of the Lord departed Saul. Now, let's fast forward, okay? Some time passes. How much time? Hey, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that, so it must not be important. But some time passes, and even though David was anointed to be king, you guys, he's not king yet, Saul is still king. But David was chosen, and the Spirit was with David, and the spirit was not with Saul. So let's begin reading now in 1 Samuel 1. Here we go. We're going to read and we're going to stop. We're going to read and we're going to stop. Don't get confused. I promise you, you'll be able to follow, but I can't read it all and then go back and tell you later. I'm way too excited. Here we go. 1 Samuel 17 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered at Sochah, which belongs to Judah. And they camped between Sochah and Azekah in Ephesdamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the valley of Elah. And drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley in between them stopped we are in the ella valley terry would you show that picture i asked you to put up here this is a picture of what the ella valley looks like in 2019 taken with my phone as terry and i had the privilege of touring israel we stood on the mountain this is the and and don't go to the next one just yet we're looking down into the Ella Valley all those trees are the Ella Valley on one side of that valley was the israelites on one mountain on the other side was the philistines on the other mountain okay thousands and millions of philistines you guys a lot okay Terry go to that next picture if you don't mind this is down in the valley I took that first, the first two pictures on the mountain, the hill. Now we're in the valley. This is the Ella Valley, how it looks right now in Israel. And I just wanted to show you those pictures because Terry's always putting these really cool like, um, screens up. You know, he's got all those graphics and slides. I don't do that. I just run around up here yelling at people. But I wanted to show you I had some pictures. Okay, let's go on. Why is that important? You guys need to have a picture of how the battle was laid out. You get it? Okay, verse 4. Then a champion came from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. Okay, stop. Six cubits in a span. He was 11 feet and some change. 11.35 feet if you want to know the exact measurement of how tall Goliath was. 11 feet, y'all. Verse 5 And he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. Stop. His armor weighed 125 pounds. That's more than people weigh. Okay? The 11 foot guy plus is wearing 125 pounds of armor. Verse 6. He also had bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. And the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. His shield carrier also walked before him. So his his weapon, just the very tip of it, the head of it was 15 pounds by itself. Not like a little arrow wherever we used to find them back in Kansas, where you found an arrowhead, one of them little old things, and we're like, we found an Indian arrowhead, yes! It's super tiny, and if we poke the end, it broke off because it was so thin. But this dude's arrowhead was 15 pounds, and the beam that held it was a weaver's beam. You guys get how big this guy is? Verse 8, And he stood, and he shouted, my kind of guy, I like to shout, to the ranks of Israel. And he said to them, Why do you come out to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. And if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants, and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Stop. Saul and all Israel was petrified. Not just of these thousands of Philistines, but of this one Philistine who represented impossible odds. Saul was full of fear. Do you guys know the premise that it's the trickle down effect? Have you heard about that? what happens at the top trickles down to the people underneath some businesses or companies have really beautiful like um ceos and like presidents and they are full of graciousness and full of generosity and the people that work for them become gracious and full of generosity because of the trickle-down effect right transversely there are some companies who have guys or women at the head that are not generous or kind, but they're the exact opposite of that, and they're ruthless, and they're cunning, and they're um, maybe even, um, you know, like, what do you call it? Let me use the correct word here. Maybe they're not even morally okay, but they're corrupt. The people that work for them tend to adopt those behaviors. Did you know that? That's the trickle-down effect. Do you know that it certainly worked With Saul and his army. Saul was afraid. All of his guys were afraid. His commanders were afraid. Their commanders were afraid. Their soldiers were afraid. From the top all the way down to the bottom. Everybody's afraid. Greatly says the word. Why do you think that was? Well Saul had lost the spirit. He was void of the spirit. Do you think when he was full of the Spirit and he was fighting with his guys, the Philistines and all the Amalekites before, was he afraid? No, the word does not mention that. What's the thing that changed? He disobeyed and the Spirit left. Verse 12. Now David was the son of the Ephrathite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. And his three older sons had gone after Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the secondborn, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. And David was the youngest now the three oldest followed Saul but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's flocks at Bethlehem and the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand Okay, so let's just revisit this. David was the youngest of all Jesse's boys, and his three older brothers were in the battle with Saul. Now Goliath comes out. What? morning and evening, two times a day for 40 days. Okay, he scared them the first time. But now he's coming out twice a day for 40 days, 80 times he comes out and he yells at these Jews and he scares their socks off. Their socks have been gone now for 39 days because they left the first day because they're so scared. And these guys are just sitting there shaking and quaking. And can I ask you to Put yourself in their shoes and sort of begin to feel what they might be feeling. They're looking at impossible odds. And they're always hearing the impossible every day, every day, every day. We're going to kill you. You're going to be our servants. We're going to destroy you. Your people will serve my people. You guys aren't going to make it. Day after day after day. It's like watching the bad news day and night for 40 days it changes our attitude it changes who we are and it changes how we believe because these guys certainly changed they're scared they just are he's in their head that's what I put down here you see Goliath had like some brains about him he wasn't all brawn he got in their head psychological warfare right right He's scaring them with his sighs, his words, and he's got it made. Verse 17. Then Jesse said to David his son, "Now take these for your brothers and Epha of this roasted grain and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also 10 cuts of cheese to the commanders and their thousands of their thousands, and look into the welfare of your brothers, and bring back news of them." pause. David's going to get the big picture of everybody because his daddy didn't just send him food for the brothers. His daddy sent him food for their commanders. So David's about to walk in and get the big picture in one hole because he's given cheese to the commanders and he's given loaves and grain to his brothers. And his dad's job for him was to what? See how it is with them. Go see how things are. I've not heard what's going on with my boys. I want to hear how things are. So David has a job. We know he's an obedient kid and does a good job. So he's in there, and he's going to get the picture real quick. Verse 19. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah, Fighting with the Philistines. So David arose the next morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse commanded him. And he came to a circle of the camp, while the army was going out in battle array, shouting their war cry. Well, bless them. They're still going out shouting every day. And Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brother. And as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath was coming up from the army of the Philistines and he spoke the same words he'd said before and David heard them. And when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled and they were greatly afraid. So now (coughs) David sees this is what's going on, this kid. You know, um, they say that David was anointed by Samuel before he went to the battle. And they don't know how many years transpired between the time he was anointed and the time he went to the battle. So the best guess that they can say they, whoever the people on the other end of Google are, and also about 15 other things I read, said that David was about 12 to 15 years of age when Samuel anointed him king. Okay? He wasn't king yet, but he was anointed. 12 to 15. They say by the time he went to stand off with Goliath, he was between 15 and 19. He could not have been over 19 years old. Otherwise, he would have been a soldier. Okay, And he couldn't have been younger than 12 because no daddy's going to send a little boy to do that kind of stuff. So we're talking about a 15-year-old kid is is our best guess. We don't really know. And obviously, if it was important, the Lord would tell us. But I want you to get a picture in your mind of how old this kid is. Why? You guys see um, when the Cox kids are here? Um, Connor is 12, 11. Gracie is 12, Hunter is 14, and um, um, Aiden is 15. Why am I telling you that? Can you picture any one of those kids being anointed king and then being sent to fight Goliath? Hey! So David sees this 15-year-old kid, and he hears both Goliath and what he says, and then he sees all of Israel freak out in fear and run. He sees his people in fear. Verse 25. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God. And the people answered in him in one accord with the word saying, thus it will be done. And the man who kills him and here's David. And he's like, what there's reward involved here. Hang on. Why are you guys afraid? Who's, Who's this guy taunting the armies of the living God? This kid is not affected by their fear. He is not infected by their fear. Why do you think that is? He's filled with the Spirit. He is filled with the Spirit of God. He's also 15, and sometimes they're not super smart, but I think it's because he's filled with the Spirit of God, right? So David, full of the spirit, asked the men, hey, 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 what is this? A reward? A reward to kill this guy who's taunting the armies of the living God? All right. So here's what happens. We're just going to read a verse at a time here or so. So in 28, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when David spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and and the wickedness of your heart. For you've come down in order to see the battle. Okay, what's that sound like? Jealousy. Eliab's afraid. He's been afraid with all these other guys. He's been down here for 40 days. And this little pipsqueak, who by the way... He just saw a few years earlier get anointed as the future king of Israel. They passed up Iliab. They did not choose him. They chose his little ruddy brother. And here comes this twerp to the battle line. And he's going to have the nerve to ask about a reward for killing the Philistine. And Iliab is mad. He's also not filled with the spirit, I'm guessing. And David says, what? He said, what have I done now? Was this not just a question? I hear this happening in my own house. Literally, this sounds like my own kids having a conversation. And then he turned away from him to another and said the same thing. So he's like, what? What I do? I just asked a question. And then he goes back to asking the other people about the reward, right? Okay, so this is what's happening. David, still full of the Spirit, still not afraid goes toe-to-toe with his brother who's void of the spirit very afraid angry and jealous and then Saul gets involved when the words which David spoke when Saul heard those words they told Saul and he sent for David okay Saul void of the spirit sins for David and David said to Saul verse 32 let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Hallelujah, I'm here. And I'm full of the spirit. And Saul, void of the spirit, says, uh, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth. Well, this guy's been a warrior from his youth. Okay, stop. So David's like, I can do it. Put me in. Because he's full of the spirit and not afraid. And Saul avoided the spirits very afraid. And he's like, what are you, a kid? You can't. So what does Saul do? He starts filling David with his doubt. I'm full of doubt, so I'm going to speak it out. But David's full of faith, and he's going to speak it out. Do you think that has something to do with the spirit or the lack thereof inside of these guys? Okay, verse 34. But David said to Saul, Hey, your servant, listen, I was tending my father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him. I attacked him, and I rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this philistine stop hang on david is preaching and convincing this man void of the spirit who's king and in charge and totally afraid that he can do this and saul says go and may the lord be with you so i'm not really thinking saul thinks this is going to go well but what what is it to him he's not really even one of his soldiers so what does he care But here's something interesting that happens. So Saul says, go, right? And then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed them with his own armor. And David girded the sword and over the army, excuse me, armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, hey, I cannot go with these for I've not tested them. And David took them off. Okay, Saul is going to have David do it his way. Saul's not going up against the Philistine. He doesn't want to send any of his own guys, but he's going to let this little kid go up against the Philistine, but he's going to try to tell him how to do it. Isn't that just like the enemy? The evil world? Hey, I don't like what you're doing, but if you're going to do that, let me tell you how to do it. Why would we listen To anybody other than the voice of God. These aren't even Saul's armies. David identified them. They were the armies of the living God. They weren't even Saul's army. Yet here Saul's telling this kid how to do it. Which I love David. He's smart, you guys. He's not a dumb kid. He's smart. He's like, yeah, I'd I'd do it, sir. But I can't. I, I haven't tested him. Right? He even has a good excuse why he can't wear Saul's armor. Okay, so verse 40. This, this blesses my heart. He took his stick in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's pouch, which he had even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistines. Stop. What did David do? He used what God had already given him. He wasn't going to do it with a sword. He wasn't going to do it with a bow and arrow. C- come on, he didn't fight. That's not how he killed the bear. That's not how he killed the lion. That's not how he protected the sheep. How did he protect the sheep? With a slingshot, with his own hands, with his own, with his own trust in God. He's not going out there to be somebody else. I can't stand up here because uh, last year I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't. Last year I was an evangelist for 10 years. I I I travel all over this country sharing about Jesus. And all of a sudden now the Lord says, hey, I want you to pastor a church. I can't stand up here and be somebody else I'm not. I can't give to you messages that I haven't lived and haven't been manifest in my life. Because that's not how I did it when I was an evangelist. I'm not going to do it that way as a pastor. Why? Because I have to be who God created me to be. I am not going to come at this like another preacher. I'm not going to come at this like anybody else because I can only be me and I can only do what God's equipped me to do. This is a word for you. Do you know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life? And he doesn't want you to do it like somebody else. He wants you to do it like he's equipped you to do it. Don't use a sword when you're good with a slingshot. That's what he did for David. I love this kid's wisdom. Okay, so verse 41 the Philistine come, came on and approached David with the shield-bearer in front of him. This cracks me up. Here's a little kid, 15 years old. Here's an 11-foot guy with a like, shield-bearer in front of him. Like, is that necessary? But okay. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Stop. Goliath taunts David. Goliath totally doubts David. There's no way in his mind he's losing. You You get this, right? overconfident, and then he curses him. Have you ever in your life gone up against, doesn't have to be a person, but a circumstance, and you know that everyone around you is doubting you, taunting you, cursing you behind your back, and literally the only person on your side is the living God? You guys, this is not some far-fetched story that happened once and we don't get anything out of it. This is a story that really happened that's an example for our lives. How about a diagnosis? You guys, we're hearing them every day. There are people fighting for their lives. And doctors are saying, hey, we don't expect recovery. Well, we do. Because we are on the side of the armies of the living God, and we have hope, and his name is Jesus. Just like this little kid. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, Hey, hey, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you, and I will give your dead body, the army of the Philistines, this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel, and that this assembly will know that God does not deliver by the sword or by a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Stop. Hey, I love this kid when he preaches. You guys, David's full of the Spirit, and listen this. David knows who his enemy is. It's not Saul, it's not the fearful army of Israel, it's not even his angry brother. David knows who his enemy is. It's the Philistines. David knows who sent him, he has identity. He wasn't sent by his daddy. He wasn't sent by his brothers. He was sent by the head of the army of the living God. David knows whose power he's walking in. He believes he's on God's side and God will back him up. David knows God will be glorified in all the earth. He even said so. Everybody will know. Everybody will know about their God. And lastly, David knows He will be totally victorious. I don't think that kid had doubt in him at all. How did David know? Because he was full of the Spirit. He was also young and had childlike faith. Big pause. (laughs) You guys, we don't have to be 15 to get this. We are full of the Spirit. If we, who are in right relationship with Jesus, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is within us. It's the same Spirit that indwelled David, the same Spirit that indwelled Saul and left Saul, went to David, and the same Spirit that indwelled Jesus Christ and rose him from the dead lives in us now. We are full of the same Spirit. And the Lord tells us himself in red that we too should have childlike faith. We, too, should be completely believing that our God will back us up. Verse 48 through 51. Then it happened. When the Philistine rose and came, he drew near to meet David. That David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in David's hand. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, and he took his sword and he drew it, and, drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. David, full of the spirit, prevails. David pulled the sheath, uh, 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 the sword out of the sheath and cut his head off, but that's not what he prevailed with. He prevailed with this stone and the slingshot that he was already equipped with and already knew how to use. He prevailed full of the Spirit. David, full of the Spirit, prevailed. What if you put your name there? What are you fighting in your life right now? (laughs) What battle are you in? Melissa, full of the Spirit, prevails. Before I even see the victory, I already know it's coming because I'm full of the Spirit and God's on my side. Or better yet, I'm on the side of God. Why wouldn't God absolutely choose David as his man? I mean, (laughs) let's just think about this. Later on, we're going to read things like, David's a man after my own heart. God says that, right? God also says, David's the apple of my eye. Wouldn't he be your favorite too with faith like this? Come on, this kid is exciting. He's inspiring and he totally believes God. Look at what happens void of faith. You see, the army, Saul, the army, the brothers, they were full of fear. They were full of doubt. They were full of anger. Panic. They had no faith. And they had no fo- no power. That's what happens when you're void of the Spirit. But when you're full of the Spirit, you believe God at his word. You believe that God is on your side and you're on his side. And when you're full of the Spirit, you don't believe you're doing it in your own strength. Because come on, only the Holy Spirit's strength is going to make a little old stone kill a big old 11-foot man, y'all. That was God. We don't have to have extreme brawn. We don't have to be tall. We don't have to be big. We don't have to be strong. We don't have to be a theologians. We don't have to be highly educated. We don't have to have a doctorate. We don't have to know the beginning all the way to the end and every word in between. We don't have to know how to preach well or speak well. We don't have to be called to do somebody else's job. We have to be full of the spirit. Are you full of the spirit? Those that are not will try to stop you because they're afraid. Even in answering the call to come here and start a prayer room, not even to be a pastor, but to come here and start a prayer room, I had more people giving me criticism than on my side. And that was something simple like starting a prayer room. Why did I do that? Because I'm full of the Spirit. I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit tell me to do just that. And so I obeyed. And I didn't dream in a million years that people were going to be like, hey, that's not your church. That's not a good idea. Plus, you're traveling on the road. You shouldn't do that. I, I, everything they said was true, but except for I heard this voice of God, and I knew I had to obey. I didn't know the details. I just knew I had to obey. Right? Right? I knew when God called us to sell our dream home (laughs) and to live in a motor coach full-time and all of our possessions, that did not seem like a reasonable thing to do. And when I left my job of 10 years at Stormontville Hospital that I loved, that I was very good at, I had security, I made good money, I had a retirement, I had benefits, and the Lord told me to leave. And that didn't make sense either. But you see, I heard his voice because I'm filled with his spirit. And so, like David, I said yes, and I was excited about it, and I didn't know that people were going to criticize me that I loved. And I didn't know that people who were close to me, who I'd cherished their advice through the years, we're gonna tell me, don't you do this thing. But I had to do the thing because I'm full of the Spirit and I heard his voice, and if I love him, I'll obey him. John fourteen fifteen. I had relationships that were never the same. Would I go back and change? No, I would go back and obey quicker. Why? Because the Holy Spirit just gave me this one little picture. Are you ready for this one thing that keeps me driving on to give up a career, to sell my home, to live the way we do, to start a prayer room, to be a pastor? Here's the picture. Are you ready for it? He's in me. I'm filled with His Spirit. I hear His voice. I obey Him because... He shows me a picture of one life being snatched from hell for eternity. And that's all the motivation I need. What if my yes allows the Lord to use me as a vessel that one person will be saved from hell? It's worth it all. I will give my whole life for that one person. One person, in my opinion, is enough but I sure want more. So I'm going to keep going in obedience. What if the thing that the Holy Spirit that you are filled with inside of you and he asks you to do, what if your obedience allows you to be the vessel that snatches one soul from the pit of hell? Is it enough for you? It's enough for me. I don't have ideas of grandeur. I don't want my name in lights. No one will ever know my name. I don't even care if River City Hope's name is known. I don't have an agenda. I had to die to that thing a long time ago. I don't have ambition. I have a holy God who put his spirit inside of me that has absolutely transformed me from the person that I was to something totally different. And I have this word that he writes on my heart every day that I'm so excited about and I have a fire burning in my belly and I will not be silent about it because what if the thing that I share saves one person from the pit of hell? What if it saves a whole bunch? Hallelujah. What if it transforms a territory and and a community is never the same? That's my hope. Hey, what if we win a city? I'm after that thing. But I have to be obedient. You guys, we can't be obedient to what the Spirit is telling us to do if we don't have the Spirit living inside of us. Otherwise, we're void of the Spirit, and we're afraid, and we doubt and we're full of panic and fear, and we have no faith, and we have no power. So let me ask you, are you full of the Spirit? Do you know who your enemy is today? His name is Satan, it was Lucifer. His name is Satan, and he's got one job, and he does it extremely well. He wants to kill you, he wants to steal from you, and he wants to destroy you in every way with as much damage as possible. He wants to set a bomb off in your life that'll ruin you and everybody around you. Do you know who sent you? Do you know your identity today? Are you filled with the Spirit? Do you know who sent you? Are you sons? Did your dad send you on assignment? Are you daughters? Did your heavenly papa give you a call on your life? Who sent you? Hey, are you filled with the Spirit? Whose power are you walking in? Are you filled with the Spirit today? Do you know that everything you do will bring God glory? Or are you unsure that anything you do will bring God glory? Hey, are you filled with the Spirit? Do you know that whatever you put your hand to, you'll be totally victorious if he called you to do it? Are you filled with the Spirit today? Are you filled with the Spirit but unsure what that looks like and how to act and how to walk that out? Are you, know that you're in right relationship with the Lord, but you never really started thinking about the fact that the thing that lives inside you is so powerful. You know, some of us don't walk it out because we're unaware of what we carry and that's okay as long as we don't stay unaware. I'm going to repeat that. Some of us Don't walk in obedience because we don't know the power of what it is that we carry. And that's okay as long as we don't stay ignorant. You guys, there's a whole Bible here that wants to tell us and show us the nature and characteristic of God. And what we are called to act out. What we are called to walk out. You guys, we're called to heal the sick. We are called to um, free those that are in bondage. That's called deliverance. We are called to cleanse the lepers. We're called to raise the dead. I've never seen that, and I've never done that, but I sure hope I get to. Baylor said same. You got it, kid. You guys, we're called to feed the hungry just enough to soften their heart, to give them the real thing that we're giving them, which is the message of the gospel. You guys, we're called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to go up against the enemy of our soul, the enemy of the brethren, the accuser who accuses us day and night, and we're called to be victorious over him because we have all the things we need inside of us. The Spirit is already overcome. But if we don't know, we don't know how to act. If we don't know, we don't know how to speak. If we don't know, we're full of fear and doubt. And disbelief. And basically, we're running around like the army of Israel and Saul when God's like, Hello, I gave you everything you need to be more victorious than David. For all, God says, I gave you everything you need for life in godliness. That's to be Christ like. Everything. So, will you stand with me this morning? I just want us to evaluate. I think you guys have been. As we've gone through this message of David and Goliath, obviously it hasn't been like Sunday school when we were six. But it could be because we're called to have that kind of childlike faith. We're also called to understand a word that's not hard to understand. It's simple on purpose. It's for everybody, you guys. But this morning, I think we have to do the thing that we always do when we get together is we encourage one another to let the Holy Spirit search the deep part of our life to see if there's anything in there that needs to come out, any stumbling block that we need to repent of, any action or word or thought that needs to be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. So I want us to to really ask the Lord. I can't ask you to ask. You have to ask. I can't ask the Lord for you. I need you to do it. I I want you to do it. I ask you to do it humbly. I'm going to ask the Lord to search me. And so, God, today our prayer is that you would search us by your spirit. If there's anything in us, Lord, that looks like, it looks like we aren't aware that we're carrying your spirit. Maybe some of us, just need an opportunity to recommit our lives to you so that we can ask for a fresh infilling of your spirit you do that God would you would you do that today God would you call us to recommit so that we can be freshly baptized by your Holy Spirit and fire God will you do that in this room will you just begin to allow us to pray that that's another thing you have to ask for you but God I pray right now that we would begin to ask you to give us a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit and fire right now will you fill us fresh and new God some of us need to empty ourselves out so we're ready to be filled up with your spirit so, Father, we need to repent for the things that are in us that ought not be. Will you show us what those are? Pride, self-righteousness, stubborn, rebelliousness, things that we've picked up along the way that we never should have and they need to go. God, we want your spirit to be in us and in free to work and so we understand that we can be full of your spirit and still choose to not be led by your spirit and so our prayer now is fill us and lead us and we acquiesce we yield our free will to your leadership We say, have your way in us, Holy Spirit. Have your way through us, Holy Spirit. And when you prompt us, we will just agree. We will say, yes, we will obey. And Lord, if it's been an awful long time since we've heard your Holy Spirit's prompting, will you maybe tell us why that is also? Because, see, maybe that's caused some separation. Maybe there's something in us that we've agreed with that needs to come out so the separation can be gone and we can be close to you, Lord. See, the, the thing about this is each one of us are in a different place in our journey, God, and we need you to minister to us right where we are. And so will you just speak to us? I don't mean to talk so much, but I just hear you talking right now. I just hear your spirit speaking, and I'm so grateful for your leadership, not only in my individual life, but corporately in this house. God, we want to know who our enemy is, and we want to be victorious over him. God, we want to be so full of the spirit and so full of faith that those that don't have the spirit who try to criticize or or make poor advice for us, we won't even listen to God, that we're just so sure of your voice and what you're saying that we'll be obedient in everything. And God, we don't want to be afraid in this hour of conflict. And and really, we're facing Goliath right now. We're facing world systems that are falling apart. We're facing political situations that are impossible. We're facing pandemics and death and health care. And God, these are impossible Goliaths. And so we don't want to come up afraid. We want to be like David, fearless. Because we're full of the Spirit. Because we're full of faith. And we know whose we are. And we know who's called us. And we know who's sure got our back for victory so god today as we hear more bad news and the heaviness continues i pray that we would be so full of joy and peace i pray that we would be so full of everything that your spirit is because we're so full of your spirit god i thank you today and i love you and lord i bless everyone online today who's traveling god and i i just ask them Lord, right in their car, in their hotel room, in their hospital, wherever they are on their vacation, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just flood their space. I pray that they would be so anxious to ask you for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that everybody who hears this word today would be drawn closer to you, for that's our goal, to grow in maturity toward the man that is christ jesus we want to be christ-like god we love you today we honor you and we pray this in jesus name amen amen you are dismissed you can have a donut you can have coffee you can visit whatever you want to do bless you